Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. I mean, what don't you, I mean, there's nothing this guy hasn't done or can't do. I mean, when you combine his physical gifts with his burning desire, his skill set, I mean, that's why he's such a unique player in this league. And, you know, a lot of guys can beat people one-on-one. Sometimes this guy has the ability to beat people one-on-one all the time. And, you know, it's... Uh, there's a guy who's almost undefendable in this league, he might be it. So when you're out there with him, you better know it and you better take care of that puck like it's your firstborn and hopefully he gets tired. Good afternoon, everyone. That is Sharks head coach David Quinn earlier today talking about Connor McDavid, who is in town today to take on the San Jose Sharks, playing at an unbelievable level every year that you think he can't get better he does somehow manage to get a little bit better. More from Quinn on Connor. I mean, what don't you, I mean, there's nothing this guy hasn't done or can't do. I mean, when you combine his physical gifts with his burning desire, his skill set, I mean, that's why he's such a unique player in this league. And, you know, a lot of guys can beat people one-on-one. Sometimes this guy has the ability to beat people one-on-one all the time. And, you know, it's, uh, there's a guy who's almost undefendable in this league. He might be it. So when you're out there with him, you better know it and you better take care of that puck like it's your firstborn and hopefully he gets tired. You didn't see him that much in New York, right? No. No. What works? Like what can you do to sort of slow him down? I know you can't stop him totally. No, but you've got to always get in his way. I mean, to me, when, you know, to try to slow him down to a certain degree, you've got to have the puck more, be a lot more conscious of your decisions when you have it. Um, and just get in his way. I mean, just try to throw him off his stride, you know, every time he's out there and, you know, be more alert. I don't know saying a man-to-man feel when he doesn't have it, but if you're around him and uh, your team doesn't have it, just get in his way and slow him down because uh, once he gets it and he's going at top speed, it's, it's a frightening thing to watch on the opposing bench. Yeah, so that gives us part of the uh, matchup intrigue that we get tonight. We get Connor McDavid versus Eric Carlson. And honestly... If I had to be selfish, I would like to see one of these games where we get to be entertained by Connor McDavid and Eric Carlson going back to back and seeing who can put up the most points and seeing who can go out there and just put on more of a show for the fans and, you know, really just kind of go head to head as two of the players that are the best in the league right now and having, you know, two of the best years of their career. And while you always want to see these guys play with a team-first mentality, and I don't think that that will be anything different than what we will see tonight, I would like to see a little bit of that pride on the line, a little bit of that air of it's two heavyweights, and they're going to throw haymakers at each other, and you know, you're going to see whichever guy has a better night will probably be the one that wins. If I had to make a hopeful guess on what goes down tonight, that's what I'd like to see, just two heavyweights just throwing haymakers and giving us one hell of a show at SAP Center. Beyond that, 
for the San Jose Sharks, I think that, you know, we are consistently looking at a team that can play with anybody in the NHL, but simply isn't good enough to win consistently in the NHL. And that obviously comes with some relative frustrations. And we've seen what the Sharks are capable of on both ends of the spectrum this year. They can beat just about anybody, but they can lose to just about anybody. So to talk about tonight's matchup, we are joined by our good friend Bob Stoffer, who is the radio color commentator of the Edmonton Oilers, who are, of course, in town to take on the Sharks tonight. Bob, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well, man, and I'm I'm excited to watch this uh, this game tonight because I think that, hey, it's always interesting to see the Edmonton Oilers with the talent that's on that team come to town because that's, that's fun for everybody in San Jose. But, you know, the Sharks are a team that play to the level of their competition, and it's one of the most maddening things about watching the team this year. It's They go toe-to-toe against Boston, but inevitably find a way to lose. So what what's your take on the matchup tonight as you get ready for it? Well, we haven't seen San Jose yet this season. I mean, for years, this was a bad matchup for the Oilers. For 15 years, the Sharks had the best regular season over a 15-year run under the Doug Wilson regime. You know, they had the best regular season record in the NHL, and they had many years of playoffs. And the Oilers used to come down to the – it used to be a Pacific Division hell for Edmonton to go into Cali. <laughs> and, you know, they're going up against Joe Thornton at center in San Jose and – uh, you know, Anaheim had Ryan Getzlaff and the Kings had Andre Kopitar. And then, you know, they had good second and third line centers too. And they were built by the, you know, down the spine, down the middle of the teams. And, you know, it's a little bit different time right now. Obviously, Ted, we all know the situation. You know, Mike Greer's taking over as GM. The Sharks transition out a guy like Brent Burns and ate some significant salary to do so. Um, I, 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 you know, I've watched the Sharks a bit this year. I am perplexed a little bit. They seem to play a lot better on, on the road mm-hmm. than, than they do at home, right? They're 4-11-6 and six at home uh, this year, and they've had awesome penalty killing. And that's an important thing in the matchup against Edmonton because the Oilers, Ted, have a chance to do something that has not been done in over 30 seasons, and that's have four consecutive years of power plays at 25% or better. And the Oilers are at 31% on the power play right now. And they're actually only one for nine on the power play over the last couple of games. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, I think for your, your your listeners and the people that are going to be watching the game, Edmonton's five-on-five five play has probably been a disappointment. Their secondary scoring, even though the team's fifth the league in goals for, uh, hasn't been there, though their younger guys are playing better of late. Um, Jack Campbell's going to get another start. Stuart Skinner's away for the birth of a child with mm-hmm. his family. Um, but, uh, you know, Campbell had a tough start. Skinner's been really good. He got a shutout in San Jose last year. And so, you know, Edmonton's, I actually haven't minded their game since Christmas. They've cut the goals against down in a bunch of those games. Um, and I, I don't know what's going to happen tonight against San Jose. I, I got to tell you that it's, to me, it's tough. It's sort of a, a tough game to read because in this league, any team can beat any team on a given night. And you can have two of the world's best players, but if you don't have other guys going or you don't have the infrastructure built around them, it's not like basketball where you can win with two or three really good players. Yeah, you got to have a, you got to have a team, right? So this will make for an intriguing matchup tonight. Well, that's why I always get hesitant when, as I'm sure you've heard, there's a lot of talk with the Sharks and some of the other not so great teams in the NHL about oh, tank for Connor Bedard, of which I always say, well. 
I don't think that's Mike Greer's only end game here. Like if his plan all along was to get Connor Bedard, considering that there's no guarantee for that, I was like, I, I, you know, that would be a pretty bad plan. But, you know, I, I do. And I, I don't try to pick on Edmonton in the sense, but I say, look at Edmonton. They've got the best player on the planet, maybe the best ever when all is said and done. And another one of the best players on the planet. And it's not, you know, led to the deep extended runs, the Stanley Cup finals, the Stanley Cup wins. And listen, I listen, that could very well change this summer. Um, but I know that you and I even talked about at the start of this year, our expectation was, yeah, Calgary and Edmonton will be the top of the division. And, you know, like I do as a sports broadcaster, very consistently excel at being wrong because I did not see L.A., Vegas, and Seattle as the top three teams in this division. I mean, that's that's the thing is there, there are no guarantees. Yeah, I had L.A. in the top three with Edmonton and Calgary, and I thought that Vancouver would have a chance to push Vegas. Yeah. I didn't expect Logan Thompson who played Canadian university hockey out of major junior. I didn't expect Logan Thompson to be in consideration for rookie of the year in between the pipes. Vegas is back. Bruce Cassidy has that team going. They've even dealt with some injuries. I did have LA in the mix because I think Todd McClellan's a hell of a coach. I think he got a lot out of his team and you know, the, the Kings didn't have Drew Doughty and Victor Arvidsson against Edmonton last year in the playoffs and still extended the Oilers to seven. And now they've, they've gone ahead and added Kevin Fiala. So they got a pretty good team, as the others found out the other night. Mm-hmm. Seattle is a total surprise to me, but they have depth of scoring. And the one thing I will say is if you have depth and you don't end up with injuries, if you can score th- three lines uh, through, um, you can make some things happen. Again, in the order, like Calgary, I'm surprised that Calgary's had the defensive struggles they've had. And I'm surprised that Edmonton hasn't had the secondary scoring. And people say, well, what are you worried about? They're fifth in the league in goals four. Yeah, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I expected the Oilers to be a top two or three goal scoring team in the league. And, uh, and I think that would have lent itself to fewer goals against because they wouldn't have been chasing as many games as they've been chasing. So, and, and especially five on five scoring. I expected the Oilers to be a better five on five scoring team. So it has been unpredictable. Um, there's one reason why San Jose rang off that 15-year run. They had continuity in management. Mm-hmm. And I might assert to you that one of the challenges that's occurred in Edmonton, under, even under the McDavid regime, is you know we've had a couple different general managers from mm-hmm. that time. And so one thing that Ken Holland's been known for is patience. And in the short term, before the Oilers step up and make some additions, uh, they got to play guys like Broberg and Holloway, a couple first-round picks. they got to give those guys some minutes here. Uh, and, you know, between now and the trade deadline to see what they got before they necessarily sell a lot of futures. And that's the other thing the Oilers haven't done, Ted, is they haven't sold. Uh, the Oilers are the only team in the league that's got their last 10 number ones in their organization right now. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's how you do it, though. I mean, you have to, you have to build it. That's what it takes. See, you know, those. That... And it takes, it takes time. And like last year, out of the teams that finished in the top 12 in the league, Minnesota and Edmonton were the only teams that had their first round picks in the last four years. In terms of like the decisions that have to be made by a general manager, like I've been saying that 2023, the calendar year will be one of the most impactful for the San Jose Sharks in the history of the franchise. And I know that TNT ran with your tweet the other night talking about teams interested in Eric Carlson. And we know teams are interested in Timo Meyer. Well, and I'm sure Logan Gutierrez yeah. and other ones like those. It, it, for the record, it was not my tweet. Oh, it wasn't. Was, no, it was a tweet attributed to that show. And, uh, you know, I discussed the fact that I'd heard that the Sharks 
in a perfect world were looking for three number ones and didn't want to retain too much money. I would look for as much as I could off of Eric Carlson as well, but I also understand math. Eric Carlson, <laughs> Eric Carlson is basically a career 6.7% shooting uh, percentage player, and he's shooting the pocket over 11% right now. Like that is a statistical anomaly for defensemen to be that high. If I'm, if I'm, I mean, you take a look, they, they had to eat two thirds of the money on Brett Burns. I think Carlson's got a higher offensive dynamic than Burns. I'm not saying he's a better defenseman. He's also, I think he's a little bit younger than, uh, you know. So, I, I, yeah, I, I'm going to be in. Carlson makes no sense for Edmonton whatsoever. That I'll tell you. No, this, no, this I, I knew. Yeah. I mean, I didn't he's expect a, that to happen. because that, that would almost yeah, be unfair. <laughs> like he's a right shot, right? Like they've got Bouchard. They've got two years ago, Tyson Berry led all, all NHL defensemen in scoring. He had 48 points. And I think he's second or third in the league in power play scoring. Like Carlson's been wonderful for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's heavily involved in the five-on-five scoring. And he's back to all – I mean, he's seventh in the league in scoring and he's seventh in the league in time on ice right now. He's a hell of a player. Yeah. Uh, it, San Jose will be – I mean, the minimum they're going to get is at least a number one. They'll probably get number a number – number two, but it's going to depend, or sorry, a second number one. But I would think, you know, I would think if I'm Mike Greer, I'm asking for the moon for him. Yeah. So, you know, but that said, the more they eat, the more they get in terms of retaining salary. But that's, that's as the last one for you. It's like, that's the thing. It's like these hard decisions on players. Like you're talking about people who, even while the Sharks are bad right now, fans will show up to watch Eric Carlson. Like that's a tough decision. Like Mike Greer has to think about, listen, we all know it's about the future, but like I started this off, the future is not guaranteed. And you have players right now. People will tune in to watch Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, Eric Carlson, you know, Tomas Hurdle, the one they say is not, you know, movable, but you know, like you, you got to give your fans something to watch. Well, and your fans have been spoiled. Correct. Very so good for so long. <laughs> like, like, you know, like and it's interesting with Meyer because I, he's a restricted free agent. I think his salary this year is $10 million. So he has to be, qualified at a certain rate that's going to be an intriguing negotiation to watch my career do deal with and then what could he get potentially for carlson i wonder about florida for carlson Hmm. just as an fyi i wonder if that makes some sense uh down the road now specific to the letters um three you know three underlining issues have sort of undermined why they're in the soup with about four or five other like they are in a playoff spot it's tenuous at best they got some work to do, but they've been a real good second half team. The last three years, 650, 670, and 690 hmm. in the second half of the season. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell playing at an 877 save percentage to start the year has not been ideal. CC and Kulak, two experienced defensemen with, you know, over a thousand games of experience, they have not gotten to the level of last year. The teams missed uh, Duncan Keith and then a guy they were counting on, Philip Broberg, who, by the way, the last couple of games has looked really good. He's had a, you know, he's had an injury riddled season, and Evan Bouchard hasn't been close until recently at the level that he was at last year when he was playing with Duncan Keith. And then you got guys like Pugliarvi and Yamamoto that have played over 500 minutes with McDavid and Drysaddle, mm-hmm. five on five, and they got a combined total of seven goals. Huh. Like, you know, like you're playing with a couple of world's best players. You got to be going, but I am sensing the worms starting to turn a bit with some of their younger players. Um, and I, I will just tell you that my experience coming to San Jose, Ted, over the years is there might be 17 to 20,000 San Jose Sharks fans in San Jose. 
and they come to the games and they're loud in the belt. But <laughs> in Edmonton, there's a million general managers on yes. a daily. And so the, with all due respect to the Sharks organization, the pressure playing in a market like Edmonton is completely different than that in San Jose. Oh, no. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's one more advantage that San Jose has from a recruiting perspective. There are several factors that make San Jose a very attractive place to go. Mm-hmm. What makes Edmonton an attractive place to go is guys want to play with McDavid or Dreisett. And so, you. Because I like to think I'm part of the, the pitch in San Jose. And they also they have to say, hey, you get to hang out with Bob. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But, Ted, I, I, I think this will be, you know, there's going to be some interesting games between these two teams, and we'll see what ends up transpiring. Bob, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great broadcast tonight, and we'll talk soon, all right? Again, that is Bob Stoffer, the radio color commentator for the Edmonton Oilers, joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. And I did go and research what exactly was uh, confusing me. TNT played a clip of someone quoting Bob from his radio show, and it said Bob Stoffer says that, and so that's why it was a little bit confusing. It's also why I couldn't find the tweet. But a little bit more from David Quinn earlier today talking about the steps that the team is taking overall to improve. One of the things that he mentions here is the cut down on the turnovers, which, yeah, he's right. That is an area of improvement. There's definitely been more of that. Yeah. You know, and obviously, when as we've touched on for 42 games, the frustration is high because it hasn't resulted in wins. But, you know, the turnovers for sure have been better over the last, you know, 15 games. And... You know, we seem to be doing some of these things more consistently, which is really what you want to continue to do. You want to continue to improve in all these areas and be consistent enough where you end up getting the getting the wins. But unfortunately, it hasn't happened consistently enough for us this year. You know, as we've all touched on, you know, we lose for different reasons. You know, one night it's a uh, a turnover, the next night it's a breakdown defensively, the next night it's a power play failure, and the next night it's a PK failure. So, you know, our challenge has been to put it all together consistently night in and night out. One of the things that Quinn kept on um, saying was that, you know, they're going to get there. They're going to get there. And I think that that overall belief in his team and the fact that he keeps on saying it publicly and the fact that he keeps on hammering at home, it reminds me of actually Mike Tyson. I know that's a, it's a weird segue here, but Mike Tyson, when he was, you know, first learning about a box and like kind of coming up the ranks, he used to walking around, talking about himself being the heavyweight champion of the world. He would say, Mike Tyson, heavyweight champ of the world. He would just kind of repeat it to himself. And it just got to that point to where he had to start to believe what he was saying, because I believe at first he said he would kind of chuckle saying it because it just sounded you know, relatively absurd to him. But then he said the more that he said it, the more that he started to believe it. And that belief was a big part of why he started to take strides in his career. I mean, obviously, if you're one of the hardest punchers in the history of boxing, that's probably going to help. But it's that point. It's that sometimes it is that repetition. It is the saying something over and over. David Quinn, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. He's instilling that belief in his players. He's instilling that belief in himself and his staff that they are going to get that team to the, you know, the promised land of where they are a better team than where they are now. And again, Small steps have been taken, and again, we also said that it was not going to be a linear progression. It's two steps forward, one step back, or you go up and then you go a little down, and maybe you go down further, but then you go back and get higher than a previous high. But that's you know that's how a team improves. It's rare that things just change on a dime. When teams have things change on a dime like that, it means that almost everything has been in place, and they've been massively underperforming, and then the entire dynamic of a season changes. 
That's not where the Sharks are just yet. They're still at a point of building themselves back up, building up younger talents, and figuring out their path as they work towards a, I won't say uncertain future, but a future that is filled with relative unknowns. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of the Build Up here on the Sharks Audio Network. Join us at 7 for live pregame coverage right here with Dan Ruzanowski, and then I'll be back with you tomorrow morning to look back at this game between your Sharks and the Edmonton Oilers. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.